0: This is For Advisors by Advisors. I'm your host, Evan J. Mayer. And today we have another very special guest, Mr. Nicholas Jones. How's it going, Evan? How are you? All right, calm down, calm down. They're excited
1: for you, Nick. How you doing, man? I'm good, man. I'm good. And thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. It's been a pleasure seeing you kind of take this thing off the ground. And I've learned a lot. More about mortgages
0: recently than I ever thought I'd know. But, uh, you know, here we are. Mortgages are always fun. Uh, So, everybody knows who Nick is. Nick is the structured investment consultant at Raymond James. He covers, you cover the West Coast, right? I do. I do. So, that's kind of
1: Colorado to California. And then sometimes I'm lucky enough to go to Hawaii. And, uh, oh, you
0: actually cover Hawaii too. I do. And Alaska. But, you know, that's awesome. (laughs) That's awesome. And there's a few of us that he covers on the custom side throughout, but he works at the corporate headquarters of Raymond James there in at St. Pete, technically St. Pete, right? Yep. Yep. Right here in St.
1: Pete, right over the bridge.
0: And he's got his Tampa shirt on. So he's you know support. That's, right. That's right. We have, <laughs> we have
1: to represent the, the hometown.
0: <laughs> so, you know, structure notes are something that, that have taken off in our industry. It was known as the risky investment 10 years ago. And if you talked about structure notes it meant you were taking significant risk. And that that story has changed significantly. My backstory a little bit is when I took my practice independent three years ago, where I went, I really got into allocating and de-risking, in my opinion, portfolios using structured investments. And I always looked at those as a piece off of the equity tree or a piece off the alternative tree, but not not off the fixed income tree. And going independent, I was looking for places that had the support not only on on a mass scale through calendar offerings and things along those lines too, but that could get into the custom space and could get me into custom space, maybe without having to block off. And some of these firms, the minimum requirement is 2 million, 5 million, significantly high numbers. And I wanted to go somewhere that gave me that opportunity. And what was nice was I ran into Nick about a month in and Nick's probably like, who's this lunatic calling me? And I'm asking him all kinds of questions on what I can do. And I probably didn't do any business with him, on the custom side for probably three months or so as I got here and it kind of got, I was so excited because the calendar offerings that we had access to on the structured products, I was so robust compared to where I came from that I was like, I was just so enamored with that. And then as time goes on, you get better and better, as I always saying in this business and you go, oh, there's other ways that can be doing this too and leveraging it. And Nick came in uh, tremendously helpful. Nick, give us a little background on you. Like when you got started in the business, how long you've been specifically doing structured investments and where you see yourself going?
1: Yeah, fair question. I kind of joke that I never really expected to be in this business ever. I'm a psychology major from University of South Florida. I never really expected to be in finance, but kind of the, the short version of the story is my dad gave me a small amount of money to just kind of trade when I was in college. And... From there, I learned how to trade stocks and options kind of on my own. So I I made a lot of money and I lost a lot of money doing that. Easy to lose money right right there when you're, you know, 18 years old opening options accounts, but kind of traded through college and enjoyed it so much that I ended up getting uh, started in the business at Tiro Price, got licensed there and ultimately ended up in kind of a trading capacity over there. Spent the first three years of my career there, and then ultimately ended up at Raymond James on the Structured Investment Desk. What year was that? that About four and a half years ago. So I started in the industry probably about eight years ago and joined Raymond James about four and a half years ago. So that's kind of my background more on the trading side is more in the fixed income and options side of the business, which... Ultimately, led me to structured investments to kind of use those capabilities. So uh, that's kind of where I came from. The future is really fun right now in this business. There's so much going on right now. And being able to cover the West Coast as well has been a pretty cool opportunity to see a lot and talk to a lot of
0: advisors out there. Excellent. So, talk a little bit about, you know, all, mo- most firms. And by the way, this podcast is for everybody, as I always say. And a lot of the firms out there, the big wirehouses, the big banks, the big independent channels, have a structure note department or, or desk. And even if they don't, you know, RIA is going to get access to structured investments, obviously, go, by going direct or through the companies or, or through outside wholesalers. But one of the nice things that I think that I've seen from you and your team is you guys create a calendar offering. And some firms do calendar offerings week on a weekly basis, or a bi-weekly basis, or a monthly basis. And what I love is the creativity that goes in on that, those calendar offerings. Yes, compared to some customs, they're not creative, right? But if you look at the grand scope of what you guys are creating in inventory, can you kind of go through the process of how you determine what comes what goes on that calendar, what you guys are looking for and kind of the back and forth that might play into that? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a tremendous
1: amount of work and kind of credit goes to the team that, that really puts that, that together on our origination side of things. But ultimately, it kind of, you know, what it boils down to is trying to find the highest likelihood of success type of trades. So clients can have successful opportunities and ultimately come back to the product set, right? So we look at, you know, we look at a lot of different risk metrics on our side, we try to make sure we're measured from a credit perspective as well. So Clients and and advisors can kind of diversify credit since ultimately
0: these are just bonds. And layman's, not that an advisor should know this, but obviously meaning you have a lot of different companies that are issuing the structured notes, such as Goldman, Morgan, Stanley, JP Morgan, Bank of America, and the list goes on. Sure.
1: Yeah. And I mean, basically every major bank on the street is gonna have some sort of issuing capacity to structured investments. And just for those of you out there that are less familiar, right? Structured investments are ultimately a zero coupon bond or a funding component from those banks paired with a package of options, which is gonna kind of dictate that upside payoff profile and downside protection. So with that in mind, we kind of take a look at historical returns, highest likelihood of success type of trades, and ultimately, what the rest of the street is seeing across the board. And we kind of tailor that to what we think makes the most sense on our side. But like you said, Evan, I mean, not every firm does that. Not every firm has a calendar created by kind of a a home office team.
0: Sometimes it's more simply just what the banks are offering out into the street. I've seen that before where you'll, you know, There's some firms that go, well, we don't, you don't need a calendar offering because you have every single trade on the street and you go, yeah, but half of your advisors issued those to clients. Do they actually understand the terms and risks that they're actually taking? so I think having a team in place that's doing that is extremely important and obviously beneficial, but also having a wide variety of options. And that is something that i think you and your team do a great job of is you put a specific number on there that you go okay i got enough in here that if i really wanted to i could overthink all this i still have the capability of choosing what i think is best for my client in my situation so kudos there do you guys ever get to a number where you're going you know we have too many on the calendar this month or should we trim some down or is there like kind of a fine light number you guys get to where you go this might be enough Yeah, I mean, we do try to keep it pretty poignant.
1: We don't want to just issue the same trade with slightly different variations here and there. But I think that question can get a little bit more in depth in the sense that it's really market driven, right? I mean, when interest rates are much higher, it gives us the ability to trade and and structure a lot more in our business is so heavily driven by interest rates. So for example, you know, a year ago, pricing a fully protected note or CD with interest rates close to zero, that's not possible. So with that kind of coming up, I think the overall number of calendar offerings have come up across the board and abilities to price different types of structures that we might, you know, we haven't seen some of these types of trades since late 2018 or early 2019,
0: even when interest rates were creeping up much higher. Let's go into that a little bit regarding, I think one of the most important things is is, is that people understand is, is that two things drive the yield more than anything. And that would be interest rates, implied volatility. Am I right there? Yeah, absolutely. Those are the two major factors.
1: Anytime I'm talking with an advisor, those are the two things that I want folks to remember because those ultimately drive those yields or the participation on the top end.
0: Yeah, also I think, and again, I said it earlier, I think a team is is valuable in the structure note space, but also having somebody to kind of run things through. One of the things me and Nick were doing for a while was we were looking at the impl- three-month implied volatility of stocks in the Dow, the S&P, and the NASDAQ, and then kind of scouring from there what would kind of make sense on the ability to achieve income, eliminating others. And then again, looking at the underlying positions that you're doing, that's an extreme thing you need to look at too, because as many people that have done structured notes in the past and tend to stop, the ones that tend to stop that have done them probably got blown up somewhere along the way and choosing too risky of a node. So I would sense that caution be out there on making sure that you don't get too yield hungry. Wouldn't you agree?
1: Yeah, 100%. I mean, it doesn't take much to get a fair return, especially in a higher interest rate and higher volatility market. I mean, the vast majority of trades out there on the street, not just here, are gonna be in the index space, right? You know, your standard S&P, Russell, NASDAQ, Dow, that's the vast majority of the business out there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, look, these are these are very, or can be very risky trades. If you put super high volatility trades or, or structures together, if you go take an ultra risky name, you're ultimately taking the same risk that you would if you were to buy the stock outright or buy the ETF outright. So yeah, I mean, you can absolutely structure these trades to be more risky. You can structure them to be more conservative and trying to find that balance and what makes sense for your clients and your kind of book's need. Um, I I think that's the key to really doing this asset
0: class, you know, correctly. And for advisors that are newer in the business or haven't done structured notes before, I mean, obviously you're going to say education is key. Where should they go? What should they be doing? How should they be educating themselves before allocating for clients?
1: Yeah, I I think that's a great question and something we do on our side. We make sure all advisors go through kind of a, a simple kind of continuing education process to make sure that they're up to speed. We partner with Simon, which is kind of a big player in the structured investment space that really helps with education with advisors. They also have client approved videos that you can send straight to a client from that platform, which has been tremendously helpful to get just kind of get the overall education up of the product set, because I think that's really That's really what we face the most is making sure clients and advisors are educated on the asset class. So I'd say that's kind of one piece of it. You know, make sure you read what's out there. You know, there's a lot. If you go and type in Google structured investments, you're going to find the whole gamut um, of what could possibly be called a structured investment. But also, you know, if you have the ability to work with with an expert or a consultant or someone that does this on a day-to-day basis. I think there's a lot that you can glean in and kind of see, you know, what happens if if this goes south, if something goes wrong, right? What are my potential sort of risks here? Cuz I think that's what advisors need to understand is there are absolutely risks in any investment, but, you know, there's there's more to learn in structured investments.
0: Yeah. And you bring up Simon and Simon's been a tool that is pretty revolutionary in the fact that it, it gives you the breakdowns of the risks you're taking, but more importantly, it gives you the intrinsic value, which if you have to go through those prospectuses and you don't have a software that will do that for you, you have to actually manually do the math and then go back and explain it to a client. So kudos to Simon for creating some great software out there for sure. Let's talk a little bit about the custom space. That was a space. Obviously with interest rates really low and the VIX and the volatility at a lot of points over the last couple of years being under 20, if you wanted to search yield, looking at customs and adding that risk was sometimes something advisors chose to do when doing that, obviously we, we talked a little bit earlier about running those charts as far as the three month implied volatility and interest rates and looking through that. Let's just go through, if I was to find, and again, I'm not going to name any specific stocks or positions, but if I found two stocks that I thought looked like I was going to get good yield and I wanted to really protect my chance of not receiving my coupon and protect my principal potentially at maturity, I look at a really high barrier or buffer. I said, hey, Nick, go out and get me the best price. What is your protocol when you go and you do that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a fair question. And I think ultimately it's going to boil down to the risk reward that your client wants to take. So when we say custom, we're saying reverse inquiry, our desk and the advisor is going to come up with a trade ultimately. And when we do that, we go out to the major banks through kind of a formal bidding process. They price out what they're willing to pay for that risk. So one bank might offer 10%, another might offer 10 and a quarter, another might offer nine and a half. And sometimes these banks are offering something because they really want that risk on the books. Sometimes their credit is a little bit worse. So maybe they're willing to offer a little bit more from a funding perspective. So there's a lot of nuances there, but ultimately we'll gather all of the pricing back from all of the banks that we work with send them over to the advisor. And then it's more of a conversation between the advisor and the consultant or the team to say, what do you think makes sense for your clients? And what's the best deal? If a very low risk bank is willing to pay you the most, that's an opportunity, right? Because there is absolutely value, whether it's positive or negative value in credit and in
0: risk. So that's something that you need to measure as well. Yeah, you know, just to jump on that for a second, advisors that weren't around during 08, 09 and saw banks default, the thought of risk of the underlier, excuse me, of the issuer is not maybe a thought right now. Well, yes, and there is some protections in place, and yes, you should have a lot more confidence than maybe you did back then. But at the same time, not taking too much risk on one specific issuer is something. I've talked a lot about nauseam. Actually, I think Nick one time, nobody's ever said this in the structure note space before, but Nick had said it to me. He said, you might be over, over allocated, over diversified based on how kind of I spread it out. But obviously coming back to 08, you don't want to see one or two positions in the portfolio really blow up the portfolio. Right?
1: Yeah. I mean, I mean. Trying to spread that credit risk out
0: is definitely a prudent way to do this business, something to absolutely consider. And we've gone through this. And again, I won't mention names of investment banks because they're all great, or we all like the ones we like, but we did have a couple of uh, scenarios where, you know, a couple of banks bid the same or one bid a little higher than the other. And I already had that issuer. I had already had too much on the books and I wanted to go with the one that was paying a little less. And you a couple times were able to get that person to come up to the highest bidder's price. Can you talk a little bit about you know, what you do there?
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think that really speaks to kind of the competitive nature of what we do here and ultimately that bidding process that I kind of talked about, sending it out to eight or ten partners. But really, what you what you have to think about there is they're ultimately saying, "What am I willing to pay?" And maybe they want to win a deal, right? And they're willing to come up a little bit to kind of match that best pricing or what makes sense or what the advisor wants, right? They're they're in it to win the business ultimately. So that's where kind of having someone to negotiate a little bit can be on your side.
0: And I've seen that too on the calendar offerings too, where we'll see... The volatility goes up and you guys might go back and say, hey, you guys got to increase the yield because this was locked in when the VIX was here and now the VIX is here, step it up. And I've seen you guys been able to get that pushed up a little bit on on those as well. Yeah,
1: I mean, we're constantly tracking all the major kind of risk metrics that go into these trades, whether it be interest rates or volatility, kind of like we talked about, but that's something we keep a close pulse on to make sure ultimately clients are getting what they deserve.
0: Yeah. And again, like you said, customs can be on single stocks. It could be on multiple stocks. It could be on ETFs. It can be on a bunch of different varieties of what you do and knowing what you're doing specifically on the custom space. My rule of thumb was at least when I got started in doing the structured investments was do the least risk stuff first, get accustomed to seeing the statements, get accustomed to understanding what the client sees and what you see, and then slowly dip in a little deeper and a little deeper and really don't get into the custom side until you have a really good understanding of what you're doing, you would agree, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's something we kind of recommend from our side is dip your toes in the water, get a feel for what it looks like. We have some folks that really like to kind of buy them themselves to see how it prices on statements and kind of get a feel for what ultimately clients are going to experience. So that I definitely kind of recommend the dipping your toe into the water type of approach and making sure that you are 100%
0: educated before ever kind of recommending this type of product. Excellent. And uh, Nick, where is structured note business in five years from now? It's funny, (laughs) two years ago, the buffered and structured ETFs started to come out, right? The structured note and structured investment ETFs come out and They're simple enough in the idea, if you've been doing structured notes, that they should work a specific way. I'm not skeptical, but I'm letting other people kind of dip their toes into that scene a little bit. Part of why I like the space is that it gives you the ability to kind of price when you want to price and book when you want to book. And the ETFs do that and kind of don't do that in some ways. Is that the new space? Is that where we're headed? Is packaged products here? Or do structured notes on the individual side have still a long history to go?
1: Yeah, I think we're still in the real early innings as far as structured investments go. I mean, we this business started in Europe in the 1980s long ago and kind of came over to the Americas within the past, you know, 20-25 years thereabouts and really I think has become much more popular over the past 5 to 10 years just kind of speaking for our business in particular, but I think we're in the early innings. I think there's a lot of education to be done, at least on our side of things, to make this a more mainstream type of investment. I don't think people put the term like ETF and structured investments or mutual fund and structured investments in the same conversation most of the time, less of a household name. But yeah, I think the target return ETFs, it's a packaged product. It's something that we're starting to see Folks kind of dip their toes into the water as a more liquid alternative, but those are all option-based strategies with no funding component, right? So there's kind of less options you can have with those types of products. We also see similar types of products in the annuity space, right? For some of those buffered annuities and whatnot. So I think the idea of packaged products has been here for a very long time. I think it will continue But I think really what will continue to grow in popularity is the more vanilla index market-linked kind of note categories and market-linked CDs. I think that will continue to grow across the board as people become more educated on the asset class.
0: You know, sometimes you can get a really good scoop of vanilla ice cream and you don't need any other toppings.
1: Right, right. (laughs) We don't, you don't have to go crazy, especially in this market where interest rates and volatility are up so much. There's a lot of opportunities out there that I think you'll find that
0: you don't have to take a tremendous amount of risk to get a fair return. Yes, we are seeing that. And of course, to advisors out there, get educated. This is in no way an endorsement of anything. Know what you're doing, learn what you're doing and spend that time before ever even considering it nick is there anything obviously you've seen advisors grow their books of business their practices using some different things that clients haven't seen before things along those lines that's always a benefit any cool stories or thoughts that you have on advisors that have started going down and using them and kind of where they are today
1: yeah i mean i think more generally i just think Structured investments are a tool, right? And being educated on structured investments can absolutely land new clients or bring over assets, just frankly, by knowing what's going on. Because at some point, clients are going to absolutely be kind of pitched this product, right? So whether that's from you or from another advisor and they're kind of coming to you as a confidant and asking you about structured investments, I think to help yourself out, just be educated. Whether or not you use the products, right? That's up to you. That's whatever gonna make sense for your business, but you should at least know what's out there and what your clients are going to be seeing. But 100%, Evan, I mean, we see constantly opportunities for new accounts, new assets, more assets, because this is a diversification tool and a risk mitigation tool, which I think a lot of advisors and a lot of clients are looking for especially
0: in this market. So that's what I would say on that. Very well put. Last question, if you're looking back in about 10 minutes and you're going, "Man, I really wanted to get that point across on this, is there anything we missed?"
1: Gosh, I think just kind of harping on the education side of things, just make sure you know what's kind of going into these products and understand them. I think One thing that I think about in particular is more recent, right? March and April of 2020 were a pretty scary time in the markets. I mean, we're seeing major indices down 25, 30, 40% even on some of them. So just kind of understand that these products do absolutely have risk mitigation tools in place, but you can absolutely lose money, right? You can build these products to have high levels of protection, but if a black swan event occurs, right? That's part of it. That's part of any investment. I just think kind of knowing what you're going into and realizing that in ultra volatility, high risk times, you're going to see these, they are going to price a little bit worse when indexes are down so much. So just kind of understand that. And I mean, 2020 was a very interesting time for this business because instead of having kind of a two or three week offering period, we cut it down to kind of one week or a few day offering periods for investments. So with the market flying all over the place, it gets a little bit more risky out there. So that that was kind of an interesting time and just something to kind of know. But also, of course, it takes courage to walk into a burning building, right?
0: So- Well, yeah, with more risk comes more reward or more loss. And uh, during that time, as you know, on on any investment, almost if you bought, bought, then you probably ended up six months later, happy you did. Right, right, right. So Nick, phenomenal. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. If anybody wants to reach you or has any questions, they can reach out to me if you'd rather, but any contact info you want to throw out there? I would say for now, just reach out to Evan. You can always find me out there.
1: Nick Jones, you know, probably the most popular name on the universe. But yeah, I would say reach out to Evan if you want to get in contact with me. And Evan, thank you so much for having me. This has been great. I wish
0: you the best in these podcasts. Awesome. All right, everybody, uh, take care. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode and uh, we look forward to the next one. See you soon.